you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And a big Wednesday show for you, as always. We'll have Adam Rank here with his starts and sits for the week. We'll get you some wiretaps so the guys you picked up off the waiver wire, whether or not you should be starting them this week. And a little bit of a draft do-over now that we are through seven-plus weeks of the season. Uh, if you had a chance maybe to take some shots at some guys who were playing really well, would you do it? And where would you decide to do it? So we'll talk about that and plenty more. But first, as we always do about this time, we'll talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Murph, how are you feeling over there today? Uh, I mean, I'm all right, but I'm sure you're you're much better. You're way better. Uh, thanks to your Dodgers finally getting over the hump, man. I mean, I got to say congrats to you and, and the rest of my Dodger uh, fan friends. I'm uh, happy for you guys. I mean, obviously being in three of the last four World Series, but just to, to finally convert now and, and uh, thank thank God you beat the Rays who are in the AL East, who I'm not a fan of. So, But I, I was rooting for you guys the, the whole way. I mean, it's a really fun, likable team, and it was just a, a fun series to watch. Yeah, I, I, I certainly obviously enjoyed it. It was great. It was nice to finally kind of get that monkey off the back after 32 years. Uh, I, I know for you, I, I think for you it's got to be double because, one, they beat the Rays, who are in your division, and, yes. two, they did it with Mookie Betts, who is you know your long-term oh, rival, yeah. the Red Sox, basically gave away for a ho-ho and a 10-speed. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's got to make you feel a little better, I think. <laughs> oh, it, it's so good. I mean, it's so good just to see all the, the Boston fans upset over that and and just to not let an, another ALA team besides the Yankees uh, win this one. So, like I said, it's a really likable team. Easy to root for. I have no ill will towards the Dodgers at all. I mean, I'm fine rooting for them. Uh, and what it proves to me now is after the Dodgers finally got over the hump, now it's the, you know, the Yankees are, are inching their way closer. Now they're the next team. So it's totally fine. Got that one out of the way. 2021 Yankees year. Well, I know, and I know that Major League Baseball would love, love, love at some point to have a Dodgers-Yankees series in the next few years. That would, I'm oh, sure, sure, do do great numbers for him. So, uh, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. it's fun. And we turn we turn the page uh, to the rest of the NFL season. And, uh, hey, we look forward to spring training because pitchers and catchers probably reporting uh, in just a couple of months as well. Uh, so now we turn our attention, of course, as we always do on Wednesday to Adam Rank. And, you know, Rank, I guess I should congratulate you, too. I, I don't think I properly congratulated you on the Lakers winning their championship, which hasn't been that long ago. It just It just feels <laughs> like in COVID time, like it's been forever. Yeah, you know, we've talked about this a lot, too, with, like, Laker fans, you take it for granted so much that they win championships to the point that one time we were talking about it, the year that they brought in Carl Malone and Gary Payton, like, we were actually happy. Like, it wasn't that big a deal that they lost in the pit. You're like, yeah, like, I know the Lakers lost, but Carl Malone didn't win. <laughs> so that felt kind of good. So, but again, congratulations to the Dodgers uh, for their championship. I will push back on Eddie Murphy a little bit. And I got to say this, Justin Turner, I love. Uh, Cal State Fullerton guy. 
Joe Kelly went to Corona High. So my two alma maters right there represented. I played baseball at Corona. I did not play at Cal State Fullerton. They're a little, little, well, Corona's <laughs> nationally ranked. By the way, we're nationally ranked in high school baseball, but, but CSUF a little bit too much. I have to say this Dodgers team is completely unlikable outside of those two guys. I think really? that Max Muncy is like, he was a journeyman, right? That all of a sudden, like, okay, all of a sudden you're a good player. Like, okay. And the way you pop off, like I remember him popping off to Madison Bumgarner, who at the time had three World Series and three World Series rings. And you're popping off to him for a team that was, can, you know, Choking for a while, but again, I don't want to. But I don't want to make this about that. It, I'm, I know I'm stoked. I'm stoked for Justin and Joe, and so uh, congratulations to all my friends in Southern California, who all four of them who root for the Dodgers. Did it out of the ocean is still a classic line. I don't care. <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> but you're like you're like the jobber popping off to the Rock. <laughs> I mean, that's usually what makes for a good show, right? I mean, usually the Rock ends up winning, but it makes for a good show right up until that moment. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's start with some fantasy headlines because there are some things going on that should impact your fantasy week. The first one being that Christian McCaffrey has been designated to return from injured reserve. He's been dealing with that high ankle sprain for a few weeks now. We're still not sure if he's going to play on Thursday night against the Falcons. He could be a game-time decision. But either way, it looks like Mike Davis's time as the lead back there in Carolina is pretty much coming to an end. So if you've got Mike Davis, what do you do with him now? I think you want one last hurrah. It is, you know, it's like when you're in Vegas and you decide like, hey, let's stay one more day. Like, let's do it. And you hope you can go out with a bang. But over the last couple of weeks, his production has kind of dipped a little bit. He was good. He wasn't bad against the Bears. He did get into the end zone. But last week, rushed for just 12 yards. He did have five receptions, which was good, which helped salvage the day. But I think that the euphoria of the first three weeks – when he was playing amazing and everybody's like, oh, my God, do they even need Christian McCaffrey? Well, I think the last two games have shown that, like, certainly we do. And I think Mike Davis is going to be a valuable piece just in case they want to spell Christian McCaffrey a little bit or in case he gets re God forbid that happens. But you know what? It's You want one more chance and one more dance. But uh, unfortunately, I think they're going to go back to a heavy dose of CMC once he's healthy and ready to go. I think the last couple of weeks is sort of a reminder of why it is Mike Davis, and look, no disrespect, but why he is a backup to Christian McCaffrey, just not having that steady production week after week. It's also sort of why we were advocating for the last few weeks that if you have a chance to trade Mike Davis, you probably want to do it sooner than later, just because when McCaffrey comes back, all those opportunities go away. So now I think you're right. They're playing the Falcons. It's a great matchup. You give it one last shot. And at that point, I don't know, maybe you just you say goodbye. You, you, you wish Mike Davis well and you send him back to the waiver wire because otherwise I don't I don't know that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him. Maybe one carry every couple of every couple of series, but it, it's it's not going to be much for, for Mike Davis after this. Um, other news out of the division. Chris Godwin fractured his finger. He went underwent surgery for it. He will miss week eight for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's a chance he could come back in week nine, depending on how the finger is healing. But with Godwin out, does this mean we pivot back to Mike Evans or is there somebody else maybe we take a look at? Uh, it's Scotty Miller season. <laughs> had a good game last week. I'm looking at him. I just actually had to add him in my league of record because I just realized that I was carrying three receivers. It's a team that starts only two with one flex. 
And I'm like, oh, I only have three receivers, and one of them's DeAndre Hopkins, one of them's DJ Chark. So I had, and the other's DJ Moore. So I had to go and pick up uh, Scotty Miller today. I know it's weird though. And Marcus, I'm sure you saw this. Uh, Michelle McZook, she's a, a, a fantasy analyst that everybody knows. She's one of our researchers now too yes. for the NFL, which is amazing. And we love having her on staff. She was talking about dropping Mike Evans. I think it was her. I don't want to. If they, if it wasn't her, and I'm putting this on her as the as a talking point, I apologize. But I, <laughs> I, I I don't agree with that. I think he'll be good. But I still think that Mike or Scotty Miller, another role in the B roll now. So I feel compelled to talk about him again. Uh, I think Scotty Miller is going to be really good. I do think Scotty Miller is kind of the next man up there. And I, I have seen some of this talk of dropping Mike Evans, and to that I say balderdash. I don't <laughs> use the word balderdash very often. I think that might have been the first time. But it it uh, the ceiling is too high for Mike Evans on a week-to-week basis to consider putting him out there on the waiver wire. I, look, I get being frustrated. I get maybe wanting to trade him. But I don't think I could just let him go and not get anything back in return. I will say that without Chris Godwin, he has been better. So maybe that is a reason to sort of be hopeful. The the big wrinkle in this whole thing is what happens in a couple of weeks when Antonio Brown is on the field and, you know, he's going to take some of those targets. That's when it gets really messy. But I'm with you. I think Scotty Miller is kind of a nice add this week. But but don't don't drop. Don't drop Mike Evans. Don't drop. Mike. Evans. Let's uh, let's effort to get Michelle on the show. I think she needs to. I don't want to I don't want to besmirch her without <laughs> giving her the opportunity to, um, you know, to defend herself here. Yeah, we've we've had Kate and Michelle, both Michelle and Kate, on this show before. So we'll we'll, we'll try to effort at least one of them back and see uh, you know if she can come in and defend her her takes <laughs> and, and speak for herself there. Uh, last headline: Carlos Hyde, who looked like he was in line to kind of step up and be the Seahawks running back with Chris Carson dealing with a foot injury. Well, Hyde himself has a hamstring injury and he's uncertain to play against the 49ers. So if he can't go, is there any other Seattle running back you would actually take a shot at this week? Well, what are we thinking? Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. You know, I I believe that this is actually just doing us a favor because Carlos Hyde at full health going up against the 49ers was not going to be a great matchup anyways. So I, unless you're caught into a, caught in a position where you have no running backs at all, like it's almost to that point because I just, I wouldn't want to trust it. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. I don't want to go with the running back. I, I know, you know, this this will probably end up being a more high-scoring game than it than it should be. I think traditionally we're used to these guys playing closer games and everything like that. And the 49ers defense has played really well over the last couple of weeks. But I still think with Seattle, they're going to be throwing the ball an awful lot. So I'm probably avoiding this situation unless it's absolutely necessary in a 14-teamer or something like that. I agree. I think, you know, if it's Carlos Hyde, I might have taken a shot on him because it is a range game, I guess, in some way. Uh, Yeah, anything anything beyond that, I I don't know that I could really trust Homer or Dallas or anybody like that in in my lineup. Beyond, like you said, if it's a really deep league and I really need some help at running back, that's the only way I do it. But other than that, I think, yeah, this – it's a it's a big game, I think, potentially for DK Metcalf. Tyler Locke is going to get his targets, but I think the running back situation is too much of a mess, uh, and I completely stay away from that one if I could this week. All right. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during 
sign up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for Fast Connections presented by Verizon. And today we're going to do a draft do-over as we start week eight. A handful of guys who maybe have outperformed expectations and where we would draft them or if we would draft them at all, uh, depending on what they have done or who they are. So let's start with a couple of quarterbacks. The first one being Josh Allen, who right now is the QB4, had just a, a lightning fast start to the season, maybe has slowed down the last few weeks. Uh, but like I said, he's still the quarterback four overall, uh, a guy who's kind of coming off in the middle rounds. If you were to do a draft right now, where would you take Josh Allen? Is it appropriate for me to say that he was properly rated? By me, like I had him that as the QB six, <laughs> like I like a, I, I'm pretty sure it was somewhere right around QB six. I, I was pretty, I was pretty not bullish on him, but I thought that he was just outside of the elite of the of the fantasy quarterbacks. And what we really liked was his ability to run the football, which is always there. But having Stephon Diggs was going to make a, a huge deal, which always and it was kind of surprising to me that a lot of people were kind of dismissive of him. Coming into the year, I, I I mean, I I liked Russell Wilson better. I liked Kyler Murray better. Mahomes, obviously. But I thought that that Kyle Allen was right in there. Like, he wasn't the, you know, he wasn't one of the main guys of the NWO. But he was like, good. <laughs> like, Macho, when Macho Man joined. Like, he wasn't, like, one of the original guys. But when Macho Man got there, you're like, yeah, this is cool. This fits. So, I thought, I, I think that was an appropriate ranking for him. What do you say, Marcus? I, I actually sort of agree. I, I Maybe this is me sort of taking a, 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 a thumbing my nose at some people because I, I drafted him in the Scott Fishbowl, which is a nice. essentially oh, a two-quarterback right. league. And I made him the, I think, seventh or eighth quarterback off the board. And it was fairly early. I think it was like the, the second or third round. And people sort of scoffed at me, like, why are you drafting Josh Allen so early? And that's a terrible pick. And, you know, now I can sort of laugh because my Scott Fishbowl team is actually, you know, hashtag good this year. So uh, I do think, though, I think we sort of had this one right. And I think maybe the hot start, uh, you know, changed some minds and, and thought, you know, maybe would have rocketed it up some draft boards, although I think he's sort of come back and leveled off a little bit. Now I'm, I'm curious to see how he finishes, but yeah, maybe, maybe we did get this one right. So maybe we're okay here. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady is one that I had him as the QB 11 uh, when I started the season this year uh, in, in preseason. Right now he is playing really well, especially the last couple of weeks. Did we get that one right? Or would we, would we change it all where we're drafting Tom Brady? I still feel like we're making a decision each and every week with Tom Brady, where he's not necessarily an automatic start. Now, obviously, Monday Night Football against the New York Giants. In I don't know if that counts as a revenge game or not, because he's going <laughs> up against he's going up against the Giants, the team that beat him in the Super Bowl twice, going up against a quarterback who sort of looks like Tom, like it looks like Eli Manning. I guess it would be kind of like somebody broke your heart. So you date somebody who looks just like him, like that kind of revenge. Like, I don't know, like there's layers of this that I think we really need to get into at some point. But I'm thinking about this. And I and and so I, I think, I, again, that I had Tom Brady right in the appropriate spot. But I think when I'm looking at both of these quarterbacks that we just talked about, it makes me think about Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow, I was definitely like, hey, this is a guy I would take a stab on at the end of the year because I think that he could have to throw the ball an awful lot because of that defense in Cincinnati. I completely whiffed on Justin Herbert, and not just in a, like, don't draft him because he's the backup quarterback, but coming out of Oregon, I had him as the number three quarterback in the draft behind Jordan Love, and who knows? I don't know. When all is said and done in 10 years, 
it might be proven to be correct. But currently, it looks really stupid to say that. And I blame Daniel Jeremiah. No, I, that, that, was, that was my own view. But I think it goes to show, and I know this goes for every position, but again, like quarterback is the one that always gets called out the most of waiting on a quarterback. That if you had not even drafted a quarterback and you decided in week one to go with, with Justin Herbert and then in week – or excuse me, with Joe Burrow, and then in week two just said, oh, Justin Herbert's starting against the Chiefs. I'll get him into my lineup real quick. You actually would be pretty good right now. Which is – Absolutely true and very weird. Like You know, the, the weird thing about this is that every year, at least the last few years, there seems to be a guy that you could wait till the very end of the draft or maybe get in free agency that ends up having a, a great year. A couple of years ago, it was Patrick Mahomes. Last year, it was Lamar Jackson. Now it looks like it's it's Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And I, I keep saying every year, like, it just, it just can't keep happening, right? You can't just keep finding guys at the end of drafts to go out and, and ball out for you but it keeps happening so maybe we can like maybe it's just a matter of like finding that guy to hit on uh you know that's that's sort of the trick right is finding the actual guy it's one thing to say that there's a guy it's the other it's another thing to actually find that guy uh but as for Brady I still think maybe we keep him in the same draft spot because uh you're right he still is kind of a week-to-week proposition like it's not necessarily a you know set it and forget it sort of thing so uh, maybe we have the quarterbacks right, and maybe it was just a bad idea to put quarterbacks in this this segment at all because you know they're no just no no it's a good no it's a good discussion, <laughs> Marcus. You know what though? But as we're talking about it, and I was thinking about Antonio Brown, like it might be a thing. Like Brady, there's an opportunity he could get better. So maybe maybe we should move him up the draft board because it depends on who you are drafting uh, ahead of him. Because I would say Aaron Rodgers would probably go ahead of him, but like that middle that that little like that. When you have that fami- that group of familiarity where you have like the Matt Ryan and Drew Brees and all those guys, I thought Tom Brady should have been ahead of them. So maybe we should have moved him up a little bit more. So I'll, I'll say that he would be – so if, if we're thinking about – I know this is probably – we shouldn't be thinking out loud like this, but like Mahomes, uh, Mahomes is there and, and Russell and Kyler, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and then – yeah, then Brady probably should have been up there a little bit more. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, and you guys can flame me later. But, yeah, I think it, Brady should have been a little bit higher. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I, I think because he was a, I think he was double-digit double digit round, and I think maybe he creeps into, like, round nine or something like that with, with what but he's People doing. would draft Stafford in front of him or something like that, something crazy. So, yeah. So, okay, Brady should be higher. That, that's, okay. that's good. All right, we got there. that. We've settled it. Uh, okay. Todd Gurley, who I think a lot of people have pretty much written off and, and said he was washed and people were kind of avoiding him. But, like, right now, he's the running back eight, mostly because he keeps scoring touchdowns. He's got seven rushing touchdowns so far this year. He's not really catching the ball like he does. But he's a top ten running back, and I don't necessarily foresee things changing in a big way. Are, are we rethinking where we would have drafted Todd Gurley based on what we've seen? Based on what we've seen so far, I, I would have to have to say Absolutely. Because there was a there was a quartet of guys who right at the end and beginning of the second round that people absolutely loved this season. You know, you're talking about Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, maybe Clyde Edwards Elaire goes in there as well. Like Todd Gurley should have been in that mix with those running backs because he's been very consistent. Like even when he's trying not to score a touchdown, <laughs> he scores a touchdown. And by the way, I know that he's getting a lot of heat for this. And people are like, oh, what an idiot. You're like, bro, he plays for the Falcons. They're not going to the playoffs. Get your touchdown, dog. You did the right thing. Who cares? Like, winning a game for the Falcons should be secondary. My fantasy team 
has a better chance of making the NFL playoffs than the Falcons. So score your touchdowns. Don't try to do the right thing, the cl- whatever. Like MJD, Brian Westbrook, all you guys in the past, it was very delightful. It was very admirable that you did such things. But Todd Gurley, you listen, I got your back. I, I think you did the right thing. You're cool. You're always going to be good in my book. I mean, look, I don't think any fantasy managers were complaining about Todd Gurley scoring a touchdown. And of course, I think everybody sort of knew that once he did that, the Falcons were doomed to lose. It just, oh, yeah. that is just, that's just the Falcon way. Um, but as for Gurley, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was this week or last week, I think Kimmy Checks on this show said that you know, the thing that worried her about Todd Gurley is that he seems touchdown dependent. And she's not wrong. The problem, or not the problem, but the thing about that is he keeps scoring touchdowns. So, that's cool. Like you can be touchdown dependent if you keep scoring touchdowns. Like when they get near the goal line, they give him the ball and he finds his way into the end zone. So I think that that alone gives you a, a fair level of confidence that he's going to continue to be semi-productive. It would be nice if they would throw him the ball, but that doesn't seem to be happening right now. So uh, the fact that he's staying healthy, the fact that he's on the field, the fact that he's getting in the end zone means that I think he definitely gets bumped up a round or two. I, I think. You know, I think he was going with fourth, fifth round. I mean, I could see him maybe, you know, going in the third round at this point. I do think a fall off's coming, but not dramatic. So I would I take a, a different a different shot at Todd Gurley uh, than I would have probably in the preseason. Um, sure. All right. Last one, Robbie Anderson. And this one seems like a huge bump up coming because nobody was really thinking about Robbie Anderson. And now uh, he's been great. We've talked about the fact that he seems to have usurped DJ Moore in in the Panthers pecking order so I would think that that Robbie Anderson now becomes like a solid middle round pick at this point yeah for sure and he I think what we've seen over the last couple of weeks that DJ Moore is starting to take on more prominence in this offense but not it's not like Robbie Anderson is going away and I know that they really like the way that not only can he stretch the field but they're throwing him underneath routes as well which is been kind of a not a surprise but you kind of thought like oh he was just going to be the deep threat he was going to be the field stretcher but he's shown a much more robust route tree so he's always going to be in the mix and there's going to be some favorable matchups when they go up against the Atlanta Falcons you're going to want to start them and you know plays like this where he does make a move I don't know if he makes a move or a guy just falls but whatever it is (laughs) definitely somebody who should have been drafted a lot higher I think that I'm guilty as anybody of kind of dismissing him and not thinking that that was going to have a huge impact at all. So, uh, yeah, that's a guy that needs to move up. Of all the players that we're talking about right now, who would probably rocket up the draft boards? Yeah, Anderson, I think, is a guy that, that all of a sudden, if if, you know, if we knew then what we know now, he's a guy that I think probably comes off the board in you know, maybe the fifth, sixth round, something like that. Um, it's it's been, it's been amazing because I was with you. I didn't think it was a fit. I thought it was a weird match. Other than, you know, he had a relationship with Matt Rule from from his college days. But uh, I just didn't see that a guy who was a deep threat with the Jets uh, would, would work out with Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who's not known for throwing the ball deep. But credit Joe Brady for figuring out how to use him, how to get him involved in that offense and, and kind of making this thing work because it's been great. Uh, maybe it also just helps that he, you know, got loose from Adam Gase, which seems to be a, a big key, which means a big Le'Veon Bell game is coming because it is not only is it, you know, it's not his first game with the Chiefs. I know he played last week, but right. uh, it's it's you know his, his real first you know true opportunity after having a couple weeks of practice, and on top of it, it's a revenge game. Like this is a huge Le'Veon Bell game incoming. Can I 
May I say something about that sure. too? And I'm sorry if this is later on in the rundown, but you understand that I have to look at like 50 rundowns a week. So if I'm stepping on some toes, you you, you do the yeah, same you're, thing. You're, so you're, you, you're all clear. You know, all you, clear. you know exactly what we're talking about. I see people being like, I don't want any part of Le'Veon Bell this week because he carried the ball six times. I'm like, none of that matters. Like he's <laughs> now, like everything you said is not only true. I'm going to take that a step further. I'm really curious to see what Andy Reid thinks about Adam Gase and particularly Greg Williams. Because if Andy Reid, one of the classiest guys in the NFL, if he's out there and Le'Veon Bell's in the Wildcat, when they're up 40 in the fourth quarter, you're going to be able to tell like, oh yeah, like Andy Reid kind of has a problem with these guys. So I'm really curious if he's going to, if he's going to pull it back or if he's just going to be like second half, be like they're up by 30 and you're like, yeah, do whatever you want. This, Run everything to Le'Veon Bell. Make sure he gets into the end zone. I think that that's coming. I really do. And so I would start him as a flex guy at the very bare minimum. So I don't know. I don't know how. I don't. I know everybody's roster is different. And somebody's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, but I had Kamara and Dalvin Cook. And, okay, fine, smart guy. But for most normal mortals, I would love to see the lineup where you're not at least taking a, a chance on Le'Veon Bell in the flex spot. I absolutely would start Love Bell this week because I feel like this this game has the potential to be one of those games where, and you know, now that we're talking it up, it's not going to work out this way. But it's like you know where they just start letting the players call plays at some point, and they're going to let Love Bell say, "Hey, look, I want my shot. I want to go. I want to get a little get back on Adam Gaze." I could see that happening. I would if I had Love Bell, I would absolutely have him in my lineup this week against the Jets. So that's that. All right, that was Fast Connections presented by Verizon. Last election, millions of voters were unable to cast their ballots. Why? No game plan. Join the NFL family by making your game plan today and making your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com slash votes to learn more. Time for a TNF preview. The Atlanta Falcons head to Carolina to take on the Panthers. I guess technically they head to Charlotte, which is in North Carolina as opposed to South Carolina. I, we should we should just clarify that for the, for the record. Uh, anyway, the Falcons... <laughs> Uh, in the midst of a pretty awful slide, we talked about Todd Gurley and his touchdown, his game-losing touchdown last week. Uh, but they get a fresh shot at it. The matchup for the wide receivers and the quarterback for Atlanta, not great on paper. The Panthers' pass defense has been pretty good this year. But that said, you're still starting Julio Jones, and you're still starting Calvin Ridley. So for you, what do you expect from them, knowing that the matchup's not good, but you're putting them in your lineup anyway? Yeah, it is a very difficult matchup, as you said, but I anticipate this game being a little bit more high scoring. I think that we've seen this season that the trend kind of goes towards the higher scoring performances. Now, obviously, this game last week with the Detroit Lions kind of made me kind of throws, you know, that that whole narrative into the wind. But I really do believe that with these two players, like they're just n you just don't bench them. That's just the one thing. Like I last week, I tried to get too cute with the whole Tyler Lockett thing and like didn't like a matchup. And you're like, yeah, maybe you should fade this guy who's been struggling. And now you're like, yeah, whatever. Like if they're a good <laughs> player, I'm going to start them. Matchup be damned. I think Julio obviously has earned that as perhaps the the best wide receiver in the game right now. And Calvin Ridley is, is, is quickly moving up those ranks as well. So I have no hesitation. With either one of them. I know if we're playing daily, like it's going to be a little bit like, Ugh, might be leaning towards the Carolina Panther side. But, you know, I think for season long, there's no there's no hesitation in starting either one of these players.
Yeah, I think when I was looking at a daily lineup, I, I very much went Panther heavy when it came to the pass catchers. But here, I, I still think with Calvin Ridley, you've gotten 16 points or more in every single game. I mean, he's the wide receiver three right now and has been absolutely lights out. And so I think you're still looking at double digits for, for Calvin Ridley. And I think even with Julio Jones, you could probably still get, you know, 10 to 12 points there. So it's, it's one of those things, and I, I know you feel this way too, that – I would much rather – I feel like if I take a, a guy who's playing well or a talented guy like Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley, and if I put them in and they have a bad game, then I look at them like, well, hey, you know, it, it just it's one of those things that happens. If I leave them on the bench and they have a great game, then I just feel like the idiot. Like, at least this way I can I can pass some blame. If I put them in my lineup and they play poorly, right. I, can, I can pass that blame along somewhere else as opposed to just, you know, watching that number get big on my bench and blaming myself. So – um, you're starting them. You might not like the matchup, but you're going to start those guys, and, and you're going to hope for the best. So that brings us to the quarterbacks. Matt Ryan on the one side, Teddy Bridgewater on the other. Uh, given the choice between the two of them, who would you rather start? I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater, and I feel like we've had the formula down with Teddy pretty well. You know, we've we've played him in the proper spots when he's had big blow-up games and big blow-up matchups. He's done really well. And when – the number said, do not start this player. And I would go back to the Bears game a couple of weeks ago. We put him on the bench. He didn't score well, and it was fine. And then last week, he was kind of in the middle. Wasn't great, wasn't bad. He didn't kill you. He was a, he was a late stream. Like, if you were caught off guard and you forgot that to pick up because your quarterback was on a bye or whatever it was, he was fine. Like, last week, what did he have? Close to 20 fantasy points? I, it's good. It's a good match. Like, that's a good – you can't be mad at that. You know, late night Taco Bell. Like, it's not probably what you woke up in the morning desiring to have, or maybe you did because you're 19. But the point is, <laughs> it's still pretty good, and you still enjoyed it, so you're fine, so move on. And, of course, in this matchup, outside of outside of Matt Stafford, who has a tendency to never play well in these crush spots, like Matt Stafford is your friend who never shows up for big events, like your wedding uh, birthday parties or whatever, but like a random Wednesday, he just, he's there like, Oh, good. To, good to see you, Matt Stafford. I did. And you know what? All of, you know, somebody in your life just like this. And that's Matt Stafford in a great matchup, but Teddy Bridgewater always comes through for you. So trust him and start him this week. I'm hundred percent with you on starting Teddy B this week. Uh, I, I just, Matt Ryan has been a bit of a roller coaster. The matchup is not good. And, and he's not, he's not like Julio or Calvin Ridley, where you feel like you have to have him in your lineup. There are options. Teddy, I think is a much better option this week. And speaking of Matt Stafford, now that his pal, uh, Clayton Kershaw has gotten over the hump. Maybe Matt Stafford can do it too. Maybe we can see Matt Stafford uh, take advantage of one of these crush opportunities. Uh, and, and go now, now that his buddy has, uh, has gotten the monkey off his back. Maybe Matt Stafford. Wait, are they? Are they? Uh, are they? Do they go to high school together or something? They, yeah, they, they, they grew up together. I know that that's not well known. Uh, no one, no one talks about this. Uh, in fact, I feel like I'm maybe the first person to report this. That they are friends. They know each other. That's crazy. And by the way, is the monkey off the back of Clayton Kershaw? Like, because I'm just trying to think. I have never thought in my life. A guy who's allegedly the greatest pitcher of his generation to where you're like, don't let him pitch past the fifth inning of an important game. Like that still is that that's still a thing. And I know it, it was fine this year. And people were like, hey, why are they pulling Kershaw out of the game? It's like, look, just because the toddler hasn't lit the house on fire, you still remove the lighter from his hand. Like that's just my thing. 
but whatever. Congratulations to Kershaw. He seems like a nice guy. Oh, Only man. Max Muncie is a guy who's not a nice guy. Only Max He's the Muncy. one. Yeah, I, I want to. I, I want to go back. I'll, I'll go back. Cody Bellinger just seems like the guy who sat at the back of your math class and was like, "I'm never going to need to know this." But certainly, he knows how to do a launch angle because his launch. He's got the launch angliest swing of all time. So apparently, you did need to know that. But uh, in any event. I don't know. Go, Matt. St- I don't even know what I was talking about. Now I'm sorry. Bartlett hates I just, me. I'm just. I'm. I'm just amazed that you have such animosity toward Max Muncy. I felt like he was sort of an unassuming guy, but uh, who knew? He who, he should be. You're the you're the guy in Cobra Kai that I shouldn't even care about. <laughs> like I, I get it. Like if you didn't like Johnny Lawrence, okay. But the other guys, like who cares? You're anonymous. Like just go along. You're not here. You're not. You're not here to steal the show which you always seem to be trying to do. It's time for Secure Starts, presented by Visa for Peace of Mind Online. Visa's got you covered. Time for the Week 8 Starts and Sits, courtesy of Adam Ranks. Let's just start with the quarterbacks. Uh, Who is on your mind that should be in everybody's lineups this week? Well, we just talked about him a moment ago, Tom Brady. Again, the the multi-layered revenge game going up against the team that unseated him. For the Super Bowl title twice, including a perfect season in 2007. Now he goes up against this squad that has allowed the eighth most fan, eighth most passing yards to quarterbacks this season. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that the Giants are always losing, so teams don't throw the ball as much. But one of the things I really love about Bruce Arians is that he loves to throw the football and is a, benef- and a beneficiary of that is Tom Brady, who's had at least 32 fantasy points in two out of his last four games. And another quarterback that I will look at this week is somebody who's been a little maligned, and that's Carson Wentz. But he's had at least two passing touchdowns in three straight games. He has five rushing touchdowns this season that I don't think is getting enough. That's not getting enough love. Like people are talking about Josh Love and Kyler Murray and these other quarterbacks who are running. But Carson Wentz is out there crushing. He's had at least 21 fantasy points in four of his last five games. And the Dallas Cowboys, that's now a team that you stream your players against. If you have a really good player you want to go against, you go against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys have been – that's been easy fodder for us pretty much all year long, which, you know, as long as that continues, then that's fine. We, we always just want to find the weak spots and uh, kind of pick on those. All right, uh, running back, Kareem Hunt, still just balling away for the Cleveland Browns right now. Yeah, he's still on his solo tour right now. And at some point he's going to have to go back and rejoin his band. I don't know what the best analogy would be. Maybe it's like when Tom DeLonge was doing angels and airwaves and he would, he would, he would dismiss himself from Blink. Well, now he's permanently dismissed from Blink 182, but you know what I mean? I just want to enjoy this last ride from Kareem Hunt because it's been pretty fantastic. He's had at least 18 fantasy points in three out of his last four games. And now he's got the Las Vegas Raiders who've allowed the second most fantasy points per game to the position this season. They've allowed nine touchdowns to running backs this year. That's the second highest total in the NFL. So we love Kareem Hunt in this spot. And let's go to that Jets game. I know we talked about Le'Veon Bell, but I do want to pitch putting in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into your lineup again. Of course, the matchup is amazing. The Jets have allowed the seventh most fantasy points per game to running backs. And for everything that Clyde edwards Elaire has been this year, and I think a lot of us, me specifically, really wanted him to be this overwhelming Alvin Kamara-type number one running back, we got to look back and realize that we've got a rookie who's had at least 11 fantasy points in every game this season. That's pretty significant. I know we probably overdrafted him, 
but that's fine. Like at some point, do you care if you overdrafted him or not? Like, yeah, maybe I paid an extra hundred bucks for the driver, but I got one that I really like and I'm crushing it straight and true off the tee. So who cares? I honestly think that most people outside of like the true diehards and the people who like, you know, maybe do this for a living probably don't remember where they drafted most players, you know, but it's, but you, you remember how they finished. You remember the number, the kind of numbers they put up, but you generally don't remember, you know, whether you got a guy in the third round or the fifth round or something like that. You just don't, you just, you just kind of care about what they do on a week to week basis. And Clyde edwards Delaire has been pretty good on a week to week basis. Uh, wide receiver. Who's uh, who's on your mind this week? Well, I really love AJ Brown and it, it was weird because in a lot of drafts, that I was in this year, and you talk about this, Marcus, where it wasn't industry insiders. A.J. Brown tumbled a little bit, and I never quite understood why. I remember messaging one of my friends during the draft, being like, why does nobody want A.J. Brown? And people are just kind of like shrugging their shoulders and moving on. But I really love I, – I, like he's clearly the number one option for the Tennessee Titans. And again, again I don't know how much they're going to have to throw the ball in this contest. I hope it does kind of – evolve into a high scoring game because the Titans have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last three weeks. And they're playing a team that loves to throw the football. So I hope this lends itself to being a high scoring game. So I love AJ Brown. And I did want to throw a little bit of a shout out to, to Stefan Diggs, who has been one of the most consistent wide receivers in the NFL this season. Again, we talked about this earlier in the show about Josh Allen and what a difference having a player like Stephon Diggs into your in your lineup, what he means to them. Because he is such a consistent option each and every league. And we love Smokey Brown. But Stephon Diggs is just at another level. And I'm, I'm almost a little disappointed that Justin Jefferson's playing so well because I would love to make fun of the Vikings for this move. <laughs> but they actually did very – they actually got a good receiver in return using one of those draft picks on, on Justin Jefferson. But this is one of those deals that works out for everybody. Love the matchup this week against the New England Patriots. I think what we've seen from the Patriots is that the depth is starting to get exposed. They were one of the teams that had the most, if not the most, opt-outs heading into this season. And where it ends up showing itself is this time of the year, not having that depth. So a team that at one point you would never want to start wide receivers against, now you feel pretty comfortable going with guys like Stephon Diggs. Yeah, I think that's that's an important part too. Is that you know, we we kind of have glossed over all the opt outs they had and how much that decimated their defense. Um, it's not just Tom Brady leaving that has made the Patriots different. They have a lot of personnel that are gone, uh, and I think it's really impacted them. Uh, tight ends, who should be starting this week at tight end? Well, I'm going to go with Darren the Baller Waller. I know when you look at the the FPA, the fantasy points against for the Cleveland Browns, they've been very generous to opposing wide receivers, which is going to lead a lot of people to go with Nelson Aguilar and Henry Ruggs Jr., or Henry Ruggs III, excuse me. But I think you got to put Waller into this mix as well. I think that this is going to be another exploitable matchup. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. I, I think this is just a good matchup for all your Raiders. I know last week it was a little bit of a disappointment because they were going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you were bummed out and you're like, oh, this could have been so much better. Or, you know, if the Bucs actually had a bad defense. The, the Bucks defense is good now. The Browns no longer do. And another tight end that I like, I'm going to go back to Johnny Smith because he's the tight end for right now. Struggled the last couple of weeks, and it hasn't quite been as good as it could have been. But this is a fantastic matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals who have allowed a top three fantasy tight end in three consecutive games. But 
Last week, Harrison Bryant, who we talked about, had two touchdowns. David Njoku had a touchdown. Three touchdowns to tight ends. So I think that this is going to be a huge bounce back game for Jonu Smith, and I can't wait to get him back into my lineup. And hopefully for Jonu, uh, that ankle, I think it was an ankle injury he was nursing, hopefully that gets a little bit better too because the matchup is, is fantastic. And uh, I, I said before the season, one of my hot takes is that he was going to win people some fantasy leagues. And so far, uh, he seems to be on track to doing that. So, uh, yeah, good for me. Uh, defenses, what, what, couple of, what two defenses are you looking at starting this week? Well, the easiest one to do is going to be picking up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and starting and starting anybody against the New York Giants. Danny Dimes has been turning the wall over with great proficiency. That was something that I kind of hope would just go away. You're like, oh, like hopefully, you know, we'll be turning the corner on this turnover issue. But apparently it's still there and it's not going away. And it is really something that the Giants are going to have to address because Danny Dimes is a great talent, but we're just not going to get the full operational Danny Jones unless he stops turning the ball over. But you pick up defenses and stream them. I also like the Philadelphia Eagles this week. And it again, it goes back to the Dallas Cowboys being a team that not only do you start your offensive stars against, but you also want to stream a defense against them. The Washington FT was a great stream last week. This week, it's going to be the Eagles. Now, before, you know, the problem with the Cowboys, I know that there's questions about the quarterback position, who's going to be starting. The key thing for me is the offensive line. They were stung by early retirements, some injuries, and it seemed every year when we would go into the, the season, you could count on the Cowboys' offensive line. Like when Kevin Smith made a movie, you're like, oh, I'm automatically going to laugh, and then he did cop out, and that's probably more Bruce Willis's fault than anybody else, but – you know what? It did break a string of enjoyable flicks. So with the Cowboys, now you want to stream your defenses against them, and uh, the Eagles are up this week. And you know what? When you're trying to when you're trying to figure this out, sometimes it it might be too late to hear my voice about the Eagles' defense right now. Start looking ahead. See who the Giants play the following week. See who the see who the Jets are playing in the following weeks. The Cowboys and all those, and start thinking two moves ahead. Start playing chess instead of playing checkers. You know, it, it, what we've seen, I think, from the Cowboys is that Dak Prescott was a really great deodorant and sort of covered up how bad this team kind of stinks. Uh, now they don't have that anymore, and, and it, it is on full display. So, yeah. Do you wear deodorant still? Uh, you know what? Uh, no, not, not today. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, why bother? I mean, I'm already <laughs> pot committed. I mean, you've been wearing deodorant for years. But if you're a young person, like, stop it. You don't see anybody anymore. You're inside. You're fine. You're, you're, you'll be fine. It'll be all right. Uh, all right. There goes any deodorant sponsorships we were ever going to get on this show. So, uh, But we do have one. This is That was Secure Starts, presented by Visa. Please stay with us, Visa. Uh, anyway, now we've gone from the top starts this week to the top sits. Which quarterbacks are you leaving on your bench? Ben Roethlisberger has been playing very well. Obviously, his team is undefeated. But that hasn't translated to fantasy points. It's a little disappointing. You're like, hey, like... We remember the Steelers from 2018 when they were attempting 600 passes a season, but now the volume is just not there. He's had fewer than 13 fantasy points in back-to-back -back games, and the the Ravens are a tough defense. They've allowed eight touchdown passes to quarterbacks this season. That's fourth fewest in the NFL. Understand, four of those came in one game against Patrick Mahomes. So outside of Patrick Mahomes, no quarterback has had success against this team, so we're leaving them on the bench. Another quarterback that we're not going to be starting this week either is going to be Phillip Rivers. 
I, I this probably goes without saying. Like I probably I probably didn't need to you're like thanks, Rank. Like I wasn't planning on starting him anyways. But you know what? I'm just telling you right now, you're not gonna start him. That's the way it's gonna go. And um, you know, that's that's my thing. I, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for Jonathan Taylor to get into the mix and really outside the, the game against the Bengals got so out of hand the last time that we saw them, that it really kind of clipped what would have been a great Jonathan Taylor game because his snap percentage is going up. It's trending up. Well, in week two, he had 60% of the snaps, but it was starting to trend back up and probably would have hit that number again if they had not fallen behind the Bengals. I expect that number to get close to 60%. So they're going to run the football, start Jonathan Taylor, don't start the quarterback. The Philip Rivers has been such a mess that it's it's just hard to imagine they're going to continue to put the ball in his hands when they you know, if they don't have to. So that that probably is good news for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Ronnie, speaking of running backs, so which running backs are you avoiding this week? Well, I have Leonard Fournette on this, and part of it is because I have to turn in this cheat sheet so early <laughs> that I didn't really get a good. I didn't listen. I I don't know. It's it's tough. I know that he outsnapped Ronald Jones last week, and it's kind of tough to go in between the two of them. I know that this is a good matchup going up against the Giants. They allow a lot of points. They should be they should be scoring a lot of points. So I I'm just trying to avoid somebody who's in a a timeshare at this point if it's possible. And so I have Leonard Fournette there. I think that Ron Jones kind of gets back into the mix. I, I thought it was kind of strange that they went away from him because Ronald Jones had a 100 rushing yards in three out of the last four games. He had three rushing touchdowns in his last two games combined. So I don't know why you went out for that. So I expect that to go back and be more of a, a 50-50 split. And another guy I'm talking about is going to be Adrian Peterson. Now, that's what I feel confident in because DeAndre Swift is now taking over that role as the running back for the Detroit Lions. It was fine. Like, it was cool. Like, Adrian Peterson with the Lions was like when Timothy Oliphant was on The Office. Like, it was a cool cameo. It was fun to see him. You're like, oh, that's fun. I didn't expect to see that. Here he is. Oh, Adrian Peterson, you were fine for a couple of games. But now this is an opportunity for DeAndre Swift, who had some er injuries early on, didn't have a training camp. But now that he's fully in, fully vested in this offense, I think that he's the guy that you're going to want to start. So Adrian Peterson is on the bench, and he's almost to the point where you could probably release him at some point. I'd hang on to him. Don't have carry on Johnson for sure, but Adrian Peterson, his his relevance is starting to is starting to wane. It, it took a while for us to get to the DeAndre Swift portion of the proceedings, but we're here now, and so better late than never. And uh, that definitely means that I think carry on Johnson is certainly expendable uh, on fantasy rosters. Wide receiver, speaking of expendable, I mean Michael Gallup, it's been bad, and it's it's only gotten worse, I think, since Andy Dalton's taken over. Yeah, you know what? And we, I had high hopes. For Michael Gallup, I mean, coming into the season, you know, even with C.D. Lamb, we were looking at an offense that still needed to replace 177 targets. So we thought, well, there's enough to go around. But it's never really worked out for Michael Gallup. Now, the first time that Andy Dalton came into a game and started targeting him in some big spots, you're like, okay, this could work out for Michael Gallup. But we've seen over the last couple of weeks, he just doesn't seem to have a prominent role in this offense, did not have a point against the Washington FT. He's also a player that you can think about dropping. And DeAndre, the, excuse me, Devontae Parker is a player I'm really worried about this week for the Miami Dolphins. The Rams have allowed the second fewest fantasy points per game to wide receivers this season. So that's pretty tough. We saw last week how they were able to handle 
Allen Robinson. That pass rush is going to be going up against a rookie quarterback. So there's a lot of things in play here that makes me apprehensive about Devontae Parker. Now, as always, check the rankings. I don't want you to start some crazy flyer on a player and be like, you told me to sit Devontae Parker. Realize this is a guy. Like the only for sure guy I would bench is Preston Williams because he's had he's top 10 fantasy points once in his last six games for sure. Devontae Parker, I'm really worried about. He's listed as a sit. Check the rank. It's very simple. Like somebody's like, you should make this easier. I'm like, the rankings could not be more easy. Always check the rankings. I'm just letting you know this is a not a great matchup and be very careful with it. So basically you're telling me that I shouldn't, you know, sit Devontae Parker in favor of, I don't know, uh, Dante Pettis or something like that. Don't, uh, that, that what you're I me? would, I would probably start Devontae Parker in that one. Okay. That's just, right. and if Dante Pettis has a monster game, we're all going to be like, Damn. We're all, yeah, I mean, obviously yeah, that's yeah. not, that's not going to happen, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Uh, tight end who, uh, who should be, we, who should we be avoiding this week? Eric Ebron got uh, got some action last week, but we're not really digging this matchup uh, going against the Baltimore Ravens this week. I think that this one is going to be a tough – this is going to be one of those old-school games between the Ravens and the Steelers. I know for a number of years they started getting a little bit more high scoring and put up a lot more offense than we were used to. But I think with the Steelers being as proficient as they have been defensively, and obviously we talked about the Ravens a moment ago when talking about Ben Roethlisberger – there's not a lot of passing options that I really trust this week for the Steelers, and Eric Ebron is included. And I know a lot of people are asking about Trey Burton with the Colts, somebody that we thought could have a bigger role this season, and I kind of like him. I think season long, you know, he's somebody to keep an eye on. He's definitely a matchup-based guy for me. But again, going back to what we were talking about with Phillip Rivers, I expect this to be a more run-heavy game. Trey Burton, I mean, if they if they start dialing up plays again for him where he's running the Wildcat or anything like that, then I will be ultimately chagrined. But right now, I'm going to have to avoid this one, and so I'm going to leave him on the bench. If you need to stream a tight end, I would say that you have to go look at some other options. I know Robert Tunyon is an interesting one because he kind of disappeared last week with Devontae Adams' return to the Green Bay Packers, but I think somebody like that might be a little bit better off than Trey Burton this week. Philip Rivers loves his tight ends. The problem is Philip Rivers is having problems getting the football out. So that makes it a little bit yeah. dicey with a guy like with like Trey Burton right now. Uh, finally, two defenses that people should stay away from this week. Well, the Seahawks, you know, I, I this should probably go without saying, but I still believe that, as you like to say, there's some muscle memory for a lot of these defenses. You're just like, oh, yeah, the Seahawks. Like, you're – you're looking through and you're like, oh my gosh, like why are the Seahawks still here? No, no, no. They're they're not good anymore. They're they're still the Legion of Boom, but Lex Luthor has been replaced by his cousin Ned. And Ned Luthor, not quite the the devious malefactor that Lex is. And it's kind of allowed a lot of teams to put up a lot of points. Like I'm gonna be talking on NFL Fantasy Live about how Jimmy Garoppolo has the best matchup of any quarterback this week. That doesn't mean I'm starting him. I'm just saying he has the best matchup on paper. Uh, so avoid the Seahawks. Also avoid the Miami Dolphins this week too. I know a lot of people will go into these narratives and they'll be like, oh my gosh, West Coast team coming to the East Coast. They're playing in that early window. But you have to understand that this season, Sean McVay's teams have thrived on the East Coast. They've averaged over 30 points per game in all of their East Coast games this season. And I think over the course of his career, they're very good on the East Coast. Sean McVay is an excellent football coach. If that wasn't evident to you 
on Monday night. It never will be. The only time he's really been shown up was in the Super Bowl against Bill Belichick. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. So I love Sean McVay. I don't want to play a defense against against the uh, against the Rams. And by the way, if I can if I can take a moment. So Please. on Monday night, wait, can I say something? Is there a producer in my ear telling me not to tell this story? <laughs> it's a it's a clean story. Like, don't worry about it. So Sunday night, League of or Monday night, League of Record. I've got a 12-point lead against in a half-point PPR going against Cooper Cup and the Bears DST. And so obviously the Bears shut down Cooper Cup. That was going fine. And so the Bears defense was doing nothing. They had one point in the league that our league scoring. And I'm sitting there. My team is getting crushed. This night sucks. I'm upset. <laughs> and I'm like, well, at least like the smallest consolation. I would rather win the game and lose my fantasy match as the as a Bears fan. I'm like, oh, okay. And then Eddie Jackson scores a touchdown. And I'm like, you guys did just enough to take this. So now I have to sit here and be humiliated in front of everybody. And thankfully, you know, all my friends who are Rams fans are texting me. And then the insult to injury is that the Bears defense does just enough to ruin me. So I'm like, ah, this is a perfect night. And then the Dodgers won the next night. And actually, I don't care about the Dodgers. Then Max Muncy won a World <laughs> Series the next night. And then I was super mad. But I was happy for Justin and Joe. So it's, you know. So there's some just, silver linings there for you. <laughs> there's definite silver linings. Like, it's good for Corona High. I think it's good for us to have a... A a, a, a a World Series champion once again. Because Joe yeah. obviously played for the Boston Red Sox. That was weird rooting for the Red Sox, too. Because you're like, ah, oh, because I want Joe Kelly to win. Like, I've, I've my life has come down to rooting for players. Not <laughs> one teams. Day. One, one day the Angels. Someday. Trevor Bauer, if, Trevor Bauer, if you're watching this, come play Which for the Angels. Is. Yeah. Bring, right. bring Braun Strowman with you. Or not Braun. You know who I'm talking about. Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman? That guy. Yeah, that guy. Braun, yeah, bring the WWE superstar, Braun Stroman. I mean, we can he, make can come hype up, he can come hype up, hype up the crowd before. How before am I not fired from the show, by the way? I have the, no idea. Bartlett, the, the know, producer, has to hate me. Like, he cannot, well, you, he, he cannot be a fan of mine. You can uh, you can check out the rest of Adam Rank starts and sit at NFL.com slash start sit. So if you haven't checked out Fantasy Bites, you should absolutely do that. It is our new show. It's new this season, I guess. We're you know, seven, eight weeks into it. But it's new this season with Adam Rank, Kimmy Checks, Michael F. Florio. They talk about anything and everything to help you get ready for the upcoming week in fantasy football. You can see it. Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern, NFL.com, the NFL Fantasy app, and on YouTube. So be sure to check it out. Uh, what is on the docket for this week's show, Rank? Well, we're really going to dive into Justin Herbert this week and take a look at his fantastic season. Take a look at Tyler Lockett's huge game uh, against the Arizona Cardinals last week and see if that's going to be sustainable. And we will also have ranks rant of the week, and it will not be about Max Muncy, although it might oh, be. It but might be. Not. Who knows? <laughs> Tune in to find out. Uh, all right. So as we wrap up the show, as always, we do usually the wiretap. So the guys that you might have grabbed off the waiver wire – uh, that, you know, are you or are you not playing them this week? So the first one is Rashard Higgins, who likely slides in to take the place of Odell Beckham Jr., who's out for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. They've got the Raiders, who have been, you know, middle of the pack when it comes to fantasy wide receivers. So if you have Hollywood Higgins, do you start him this week? Well, this is a, I mean, it was a good pickup, and we saw what he could do when given the opportunity. Had a great stat line last week. The problem that we had with Odell Beckham Jr., though, was not his talent or his ability or anything like that. It was the opportunity. 
This is a run-first team. He is going up against the Raiders, who have allowed the second-most fantasy points to running backs. This is going to be a heavy Kareem Hunt game script. So the reasons that you would sit somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. should now transfer to Hollywood Higgins just because he's new to your team and you're excited about that. The, the, the philosophy still remains the same. So I think he's a good player. He's a good, and I always felt like I always had to come out and say that about Odell because I never wanted to. <laughs> I never wanted to seem like I was dumping on the player. And I think Higgins is very good, but I I think this is a run heavy game for me. So unless I actually see your roster and you could be like, oh, I'd start him over this guy or that guy, I gotta say like my recommendation of that this is gonna be a heavy run game script. I think there are better opportunities down the road. So if you got the Raiders this week, and it's like you said, it's potentially a run-heavy game for the Browns. Then they have a bye. But after that, they've got the Texans, the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Titans, all of whom are pretty flexible when it comes to fantasy wide receivers. So there might be some other opportunities after the bye. This is a week that unless you absolutely need him, you can probably hold off and maybe find some better options. On the other side of that game, though, there's Nelson Aguilar, who has scored touchdowns in three straight weeks and is kind of becoming a thing for the Raiders. Uh, and the, the Browns secondary definitely has some holes in it. So if you if you picked up Swagalore, would you consider him? Well, that's the thing, Marcus. I know we're going to talk about him or we talked about him on NFL Fantasy Live. The Browns have allowed the second most fantasy points to wide receivers this season or the second most receiving yards. It's pretty bad. They're very generous to opposing wide receivers. And looking through the waiver wire today, I missed out on – actually, I didn't even put in a claim for Rashad Higgins because I knew nobody was going to pick up Nelson Aguilar and I didn't want to burn a – I didn't want to burn a waiver position for picking up Aguilar. My only reason for possibly not playing him this week is that I also have Josh Jacobs on my league of record team that I'm thinking of specifically. So I might lean towards Scotty Miller in that one. But anybody else who needs a wide receiver – you absolutely should have picked up Nelson Aguilar. And I think he's available in 85% of leagues still. That is the player I would rather start in this game over Higgins for sure. Aguilar, to me, has kind of quietly become the number one wide receiver in, in Las Vegas. I mean, Darren Waller's still the number one target. But Henry Ruggs, he had the one big game. But even then, he had 118 yards on, I think, two catches. So like, he's not seeing a ton of targets. He's not seeing a ton of opportunity. Aguilar is getting more looks. Uh, I think he's more of a downfield threat than Hunter Renfro. So he at least should be on rosters. He's a matchup-based guy, but this is one of the matchups. This where is the matchup. On, this is the matchup. This is one of the matchups where you would start him. So, uh, you know, I, I think if, you were, if you're hurting, I mean, there are some wide receivers that are going to be out this week. I mean, the, the Cardinals are on a bye, so that means you don't have Nuke. You don't have Christian Kirk, potentially. So uh, this is a week I think you can get get Swagalor into your lineup. So. Uh, last one, Jamichael Hasty, and who knows what's going on with the Niners' backfield. There's so many options there, uh, and the Seahawks' run defense is actually not too bad. But Hasty should get some touches. Is it worth maybe putting him in the lineup? Yeah, I'd probably avoid this because there could also be the looming specter of Jarek McKinnon being in there as well. Because last week he seemed like a healthy scratch because they wanted to rest him. They was on a pitch count, or I don't know. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's also managing the Rays as well and he's got to put these guys on what was happening with that guy but in any event yeah the Seahawks have been good against running backs and their FPA probably shifted a little bit because Chase Edmonds ended up having a pretty nice game against them on Sunday night but pretty much throughout the course of the season teams have been able to throw on the Seahawks haven't had as much success as running the football 
Obviously, the 49ers are a different team, and Kyle Shanahan's going to do whatever he wants to do. I still don't have enough trust. I think Jermichael Hasty, and I know I've seen this comparison thrown out there about how he's a mini Marshawn Lynch, and it's like, whoa, 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 let's let's pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit. But I do like him as a player, and I just wish at some point Kyle Shanahan would throw us a bone or else we could just play RB 49ers or whatever it is because I would love to start this guy if he was getting the opportunity, even in a matchup that's deemed a little bit tougher. But unless I know he's going to be the number one guy, I can't really advise it. It's been fun to watch him run, but you're right. I think McKinnon sees more work this week. Again, it would have been nice if Shanahan told us ahead of time that, hey, you know, we're, we might just rest him. Might just, you know, some Kawhi Leonard-style load management for, for Jarek McKinnon. That would have been good to know ahead of time. Uh, we know Jeff Wilson's gone. We know Raheem Mostert's gone. The other part of this equation is that Tevin Coleman might come back, uh, which he always weirdly gets carries, even though he seems to be the least effective running back on the 49ers roster. I can't figure that one out. So I do think Hasty should be on rosters, uh, but I'm with you. I don't know that this is a week that I would I would give him a start. Uh, by the way, you were talking about Ned Luthor earlier, and it just made me think of Ned Beatty uh, in Superman. But he was Otis, right? He wasn't Ned right. in that movie. So, all right. That's all. That would have been cool no if point. he was There's Ned no Luthor. Point story. Dude, none of the kids watching the show has seen that version of Superman. So you're, you could have just blown that under the radar. Probably. There was, there was really no point to that story other than I just wanted to throw it in and get it out there. So that feels like a pretty good way to pull the shoot on this episode. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember... Whatever happened to all those people who stopped and asked you for directions? Take care of yourselves, be safe, wear a mask, and we will see you on Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.